Hey, No Bad Dog Army, welcome back to the No Bad Dogs podcast. Today, we have another Q&A for you guys. Um, just to answer your questions, I think it's, it diversifies the podcast, mixes it up. And so we're going to be answering the listeners, you guys, your questions, what you want to know. All sorts of different great questions that you guys come in. Again, gives you guys much more value. And it's also just giving you the answers that you guys need because I appreciate you listening. Uh, first question comes from Mom Frank. Five-star review. Thank you so much. Tom's podcasts are filled with great advice and everyday situations that pertain to a lot of struggles I have gone through. And if it doesn't directly correlate to me and my situation, I will still walk away with learning something new. Thank you so much for all that you do. My question is, I have a 19-month-old, so almost a two-year-old German Shepherd. Uh, he's a sweetheart, but plays a little bit rough. We also have an 11-year-old Pomeranian that was attached, or I'm sorry, well, it says attached, but attacked by another dog and is afraid of our Shepherd. There's always a gate between them. Uh, we, we do walk them together, but the Shepherd just wants to play and the Pom remains scared. Any advice on how to get them together? We would never leave them alone, but we still would like to be in the same room. This is a great question. This is why I love doing this. Uh, so <clears throat> confidence from the Pomeranian or the smaller dog is low or gone, deleted, because of uh, an unfortunate attack from a bigger dog. And so now the dog's insecurity is obviously there. Uh, I think bringing them on walks is is good. I think continuing that, getting them close to one another. I also think that if the shepherd is playful and the intentions are are always great it's also pretty safe to to have them interact with one another just to, excuse me just just to see how it plays out you don't want to overwhelm your palm obviously too much and discourage uh, them being around this dog but it would be a good idea to uh, maybe get them to play with one another just so they can naturally start to even things out. So if the Pomeranian turns on and snaps and growls and corrects the shepherd and the shepherd understands like, okay, you know, I got to back off or whatever, that's going to be really helpful uh, for you guys. Um, just because you want the, the natural balance so you can, you don't have to, that, that's what I would do. I, I wouldn't have to then uh, keep the dog separated all the time because like, when I have dogs, uh, like Lakota, for an example, my personal dog, when she goes up to my cat and my cat turn around and bats the dog uh, in the face and sticks up for himself, uh, it teaches her like, oh, okay, this is, this is how this goes. So we don't take advantage. And um, that's really helpful for the relationship because I, I don't have to constantly uh, monitor the situation. I don't have to constantly figure out if everything's going to be okay. They kind of have this open relationship where the shepherd might come up and say, Hey, I want to play with you. And then the palm turns around and says, get out of here. And the shepherd goes, Oh, okay. And then runs away. And that way, two things is you don't have to restrict them. So that's like a big stressful thing in your life. But again, this is only going to make sense and be applicable if the shepherd is in fact, actually just trying to get over there to, <clears throat> excuse me, play or to be playful. And if that's the case, then I would just, again, kind of naturally let these things play out. Um, that allows your dogs to have, uh, have this balanced relationship. That's my opinion. Uh, and that's what I would do. Um, if it becomes too overwhelming where the shepherd doesn't really know how to have an off switch and the Pomeranian is just terrified and crouched over and just terrified, then that's when you'd say, okay, never mind. This isn't good. Because like I said before, same thing with cats. Like some cats will 
just lay on their back and be like, okay, kill me. And that's not really a healthy relationship for dogs and cats to have. You want that confident cat that's going to turn around and smack the dog in the face and say, hey, get out of here. And the dog goes, oh, shit, and then runs away. And they kind of have that cat and mouse game uh, that's safe. So that's my answer on that. It's a great question. Next one comes, oh, this is a long one. Holy crap. All right. Julian Coda, five-star review. Thank you. Hey, Tom, huge fan of yours. You're actually inspired me to start up my own training here in Pennsylvania. I'm not going to lie. The other day I thought about this, the amount of people that have reached out to me and had told me that I've inspired them to start their own training company or a business in general is daily, which is so crazy to me. I don't know what it is. That's whatever. Uh, I, I don't know what it is about what I'm doing that is inspiring to other people or motivating, but I had somebody actually that was, a. Uh, she, she basically started her own company, um, working with kids and got away from her. She worked for somebody else and she started her own company working with kids just because of what I've done with dogs. And it's like, I get this every single day, which is crazy to me. Like I've never had something other than like, Oh, you've helped me with my dog. Like second to you've helped me with my dog is you've helped me start my own business, which is like, I don't know what's going on with it, but that's pretty cool. So good for you. So thank you for advocating for dogs and educating as much as possible. I foster dogs occasionally and recently got a new foster. My 14 month old great Pyrenees, uh, sorry, a 14-month-old Great Pyrenees, not neutered, 145 pounds. I am his fifth stop in life uh, that I'm aware of. I only know bits and pieces of his life, and I can tell you that he's definitely he was definitely hit, screamed at, etc., as well as never given any structure or guidance in the home, and people just really weren't good to him. He has the worst separation anxiety out of any personal dogs, foster dogs, or clients that I've ever dealt with. He is a hard time, but being alone, if he's just in a separate room, uh, he will hurt himself trying to get out of the crate, kennel, cars, doors. Uh, it's most likely like he can't fathom being alone for any period of time. He was technically, at one point, a livestock guardian dog at a local farm and got through six pastures and 13 feet uh, electric fences. And I have him because he and another dog killed some livestock and most likely they were going to be shot. He is more comfortable outside, but he has unfortunately been tied tied because he cannot be trusted off leash on the fence system or in the kennel he came not knowing his name okay i have to get to the question here he wouldn't come and meet me and would run through doors and gates when i tried to get him and it lasted for 15 minutes as i first met him and i asked him to go outside and open the door and he ran out and laid in my garden snapped at me uh it was weird uh yeah so th i mean I don't need all the other stuff, so I'm just going to give you what you need to be successful here. A, you need time, so it doesn't, I mean it does, but um, it doesn't matter how much time it takes. This is a dog that needs to be rewired. So it's, uh, you know, like I talked about in episode 210 uh, when I talked about like this ruins dogs. Um, yeah, 210, That that's about... You know, like that is exactly what we're talking about here is uh, dogs who haven't had the ability to have structure, haven't had the ability for discipline, haven't had the ability to be a dog, haven't had the ability for any of that guidance. So this is just going to take time. Um, it's something that, again, like I would be like I, I had 
I would have to take off work for a dog like this, like meaning like not leaving the house, not going anywhere for vacation or anything like that. Like I would just be working with this dog at home. Um, so finding uh, an X pen, well, not an X pen, cause I think he would just dive right through that, but given a high anxiety crate, lots of physical exercise, tons of physical exercise. That's really important. When you have a dog like this, they need that physical and mental exercise um, because that ultimately will be the only thing that's going to tire them out from wanting to um, be anxious and to try to get to the, the next room that you're in. So, you know, just building that trust. I think that that's the most important thing. Um, I know that he has anxiety and uh, he has uh, obviously like no structure, no confidence. Um, and he might have these, you know, small panic attacks and um, freak out, and which is normal um, for a dog like this. I mean, they've been abused. They don't trust humans. Um, they get into fight or flight. They have codependency issues. The only thing that's going to help this outside of medication is structure. So, and, but, but it's going to be continual structure. So you'll have to do this for maybe a month, maybe two months, putting the dog into a very regimented routine with lots and lots of physical exercise with lots of boundaries and structure. So uh, first thing I would do is put a prong collar on, start working on thresholds. Hey, you can't go out. And you, you, I'm saying prong collar because it's 150 pounds. So you're going to waste your ever loving time with anything else. Um, so you start off with that, work on thresholds. Uh, you'd be using the prong collar in a more directive way instead of a corrective way. So we wouldn't be snapping the dog. We wouldn't be popping the collar. Uh, it would just be the safest collar to use. Uh, possible for this particular dog under these circumstances uh, so they don't choke themselves out and so you don't get dragged down the road. So that's what I would be starting off with, a 3.0 Hermspringer prong collar with a safety clip and then working on all of the uh, fundamentals of thresholds. Uh, the, the No Bad Dog Kickstarter course uh, is something that I would also recommend uh, because that's going to give you all the knowledge uh, on where to start and that's what I would start with this particular dog. Um, so anyway... Uh, I think it's really important for that. Um, you know, that's what I would do. Time, consistency, and patience. This is a really tough dog. And you got to think this dog has been abused for all of its life, you know, over, uh, you know, 14 months. So um, it's going to take time. Like, you know what I mean? Even if you wrote in and you're like, hey, I've had this dog for six months. I'm like, okay, that's not even close to enough time you know, for a dog like this potentially. So you just have to continue to put in the work and, and structure. That's the only thing that's going to help this dog. Uh, and, and I can tell you from experience, I've done it before with really messes of a dog, that structure and that guidance, again, going back to episode 210 and the No Bad Dogs podcast, if you listen to it, that is this dog, 100% outside of the abuse. So that's what I would check out. And uh, thank you for listening. Next question comes from Winnie Lou. Uh, five-star review. Hey, Tom, love the podcast and really appreciate all your honest advice. Your last podcast, This Ruins Dogs, again, episode 210. It's a good one, guys. Uh, was excellent and a complete eye-opener as a fellow small dog owner myself. I have a five-year-old Yorkie Bichon mix. We do everything together, hiking, camping, paddle boarding, social events, vacations, etc. I'm able to do this and enjoy doing this because he is well-behaved and listens well. He enjoys it too. I do not hold him or carry him. However, I now believe that all of his, all of our time together has helped fuel his anxiety, especially when I'm gone. I was thinking about reintroducing the crate to help ease anxiety. Is It, it is mainly uh, prevalent when we are staying in unfamiliar places. Prevalent, sorry. Uh, he, is, he is not disruptive, destructive, can't talk today, but does bark and not settle. I know how to properly introduce the crate. How would I start creating every time we leave the house or should I mainly introduce it again? 
Uh, I know we have a trip coming up. Again, I appreciate your advice. It's the same exact thing I did with Gus. Uh, if you guys were following along with my docs and friend's uh, journey, it's essentially um, the dog, no structure, no crating, no boundaries, always been told that, that they, they can do what they want. They get picked up if they're stressed. They get picked up at the, the slightest bit of insecurity or, or um, nervousness. And the dog just was crumbling with not being able to be a dog so given the opportunity to put him in the x-pen put him in the crate and it's it's going to take days sometimes weeks it took him a full week to be comfortable with the crate and to be comfortable in the x-pen and to be comfortable away from us and that's just me working with him every single day and it was uh it was definitely you know really challenging and it was also something that i had to work on uh, very consistently and so that's my answer to that is getting the crate, working on the separation anxiety. Uh, sometimes the dogs will just bark and bark and bark. Um, and that's, that's something that you have to break because you have to remember and, and, you know, read between the lines here on this. Uh, generally speaking, you have to remember that it, basically when dogs are put into situations, especially for your dog, you put him into a crate or her, I'm not sure. And then it's bark and bark and bark and bark and bark and bark and bark. So they're not used to being the crate. They're not be, so you're not a, they're not used to being a crate. Boom. Step one, that sucks for them. They're not used to being away from you. Boom. That's step two. They're not used to you leaving without them. Boom. That's step three. So you're working against three different pillars that you've created period. And so you have to work on bringing one down, bringing another one down, bringing another one down. And it's going to take you just as much time if, <laughs> hopefully this makes sense. It's going to take you just as much time to develop this relationship with the dog as, as just as much time as it's taken you to make this dog the way that he is, he or she is. You know what I mean? So if you've been working on this for uh, as long as you have five years old of like, you're never going to be away from me. You're never going to be in a crate. Well, you have five years of things that you have to now go through and, and break apart, which is really difficult and it's going to take time. So remember like, you know, re revisit that podcast 210 and, uh, just start doing it, you know, little bits at a time. Don't, don't just cold Turkey, like boom, I'm gone for three hours. You're in your crate, do it for five minutes uh, feed your dog in your crate, put the, uh, give your dog a Kong in the crate, do as much as you can to say, Hey, this is a good place. And you just have to remember that, you, you know, unfortunately you're going to have to let him cry it out, uh, for a good amount of time until that's exactly what Gus did. He cried and he cried and he cried and he cried. And, and then by the end of the second week, he didn't cry. I put him in the crate. I mean, he might've like for three or five minutes, but that's nothing compared to what he would do prior. So it's just going to take you time for you to really get into that. So anyway, um, I appreciate you guys so much for listening. I hope that this was helpful for you. Uh, I always do three, uh, three, um, dogs or three questions. Let me just do one more. I'm going to do one more. Caitlin 33. Hey, Tom, thanks for all the content that you give out. I listen to your podcast every day and love watching your videos. I find it really helpful and inspiring. Inspired me to get involved in more. Do another, another one. It's inspired me to get involved in, in dog training. So anyway, I have a five-year-old rescue who had a stressful upbringing. He's been scared of everything since we got him, especially new people. So five-year-old stressful mix uh, rescue dog that we got he's only comfortable with my direct family members i've worked a lot with him and i've tried to improve his confidence but he's still absolutely terrified of new things and people we stopped taking him places because 
he would shut down and we weren't getting anywhere with it. Uh, I was on a walk with him the other day and my neighbor came up to talk to me and he was de- he was at a decent distance away and ignored my dog and my dog was growling and barking at him. I gave him a light correction and he stopped reacting and sat there and shook like a leaf and tried to pull away. He always would react to people on walks because he's so scared. I'm not sure how to help. His anxiety and extreme stranger danger. I went to a trainer a while ago and he was a year old and the only thing they told me to do was avoid scary situations and put him on meds. I don't want to drug him. Uh, do you have any tips? Um, yeah, my tip would be to, you're going to have to go out and, uh, well, first of all, it's, 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 again, it's, it's the same thing we were talking about before, uh, is, is this is going to take time. Uh, this is going to be something that you have to do consistently, but it's also something that if the dog was abused and neglected or abandoned or whatever, I mean, these are just all psychological problems that aren't easy to change. These are things that may never change. These are things that could possibly get better. These are things that uh, are going to be difficult for you to overcome because of the trauma that potentially has been created or the dog is just a nervous dog in general. But what I would be doing is getting the dog out more often. Uh, So lots of, again, lots of physical exercise. When, When anybody, when anything has anxiety, if you go for a run, if you go for a walk, if you do something strenuous physically and get get your cardiovascular system going, get get things out of your head and you just go and go and go, it helps. Like the same thing with me. It's the same thing with I'm sure a lot of you guys out at home. If you feel like shit, if you feel depressed, if you feel anxious, if you feel like you're having a bad day, and I can guarantee you this, it's not going to take away all your problems. It's not going to completely make you forget about anything, but I can guarantee that if you go for a run or you, maybe you're not a runner and you go for a walk or you go for a long hike or you go for a bike ride or whatever, you will feel better. It takes that edge off. It's good for you. It's healthy for your mental health. And it's the same exact thing for dogs. And so that's, again, like that's a lot of what I did with Gus when he was at my house. He was a shell of a dog, insecure, a riddled, riddled dog down to pieces. Um, he was happy, but he wasn't happy, right? He didn't know how to be a dog. He was happy in somebody's arms. He was happy next to somebody's feet. It was just a very unhealthy situation for him to be living in. So I walked him every morning, sometimes 4.30 in the morning. Sometimes 7 a.m. I would walk them. First thing I would do, go for a walk, get the jitters out, get that anxiousness out, get that, just start to become a dog, start to learn how to do things. And and then again, like f- fasting the dog. So if the dog is food motivated, don't feed him breakfast. Sometimes go a full day, no breakfast, no dinner. The next day we go out, we're going to be around other people, not downtown, but around other people. We're going to be eating chicken. We're going to be eating steak. We're going to be doing all these things that the dog is going to be naturally uh, wanting to do. Um and helping the dog build confidence through that desensitization. Hey, you just walked past a person. Boom, chicken. Hey, you just uh, sat down while somebody walked by you. Boom, chicken. And so going out and desensitizing and doing everything you possibly can uh, to, to, to help the dog's confidence. And again, it's going to take time. It's an older dog, and not an older dog, but you know, it's this. Things have been going the other way for the dog for so long that you have to backtrack and, and and unwind. So that's what I would be doing: fasting the dog, finding what the dog absolutely loves. If it's a ball, it's a squeaker, it's toys, it's food, and you just go out and you give the dog the things that they love in situations that they would normally be insecure about or that they are insecure about. But you start sl- flipping the script, and you just start doing this. And then the other thing is, is like, you know, in the situation that you have, the dog's like. 
growling and barking. You say, hey, knock it off, quit the crap, and the dog just stops and shakes. There's really nothing you could do about that. One option is is we let the dog go into fight mode where he's like, I'm going to go bite this person and bark at this person until they get away. And you're like, no, you're not. That's an, that's crazy. Nope. You shut that down. You say, stop that. They go, oh, okay. And then he just sits there. He's like, well, I don't know how to handle this. I mean, there's just nothing else you can do. So, so for me, again, like I would be doing that repetition after repetition after repetition to build that confidence. Your neighbor comes up to walk, to, to, to talk to you or to ask you a question. Your dog says, I'm going to beat your ass. You correct the dog say, no, you're not. That's crazy. That's going to get you killed. We're not doing that. And then he sits there and he's like, I can't deal with this. But every time you do that and the neighbor or, you know, the neighbor person in this scenario doesn't approach, doesn't kick the dog, doesn't scream at the dog, doesn't throw a wrench at the dog. It's all good confidence building. So the dog just sit there and just soaks it up, soaks it up, soaks it up, soaks it up. Just like getting into a cold plunge. It's going to suck. You're going to shake. It's going to be uncomfortable. You immediately want to get out. But if you practice it and you do it more often, you could do it better, right? So in the beginning, it's same thing with running, same thing with lifting, same thing with playing guitar, same thing with playing badminton, same thing with shelving. It, it doesn't matter what you do. You're always going to get better if you continue to work on it, if you continue to practice it. Some dogs are way bigger projects than others. Some dogs are born with terrible genetics, riddled anxiety-ridden messes. And then some dogs are born with all of that, and then somebody gives them no boundaries and no structure, like episode 210, and then ruins the dog. And now you have five years of reconstructive behavior. You have to you have to rebuild the entire dog, and it takes five years. It takes four years. It takes four months. It takes four weeks. It takes four days, whatever the case is. But when you're building confidence, the dog goes, I'm afraid of this. And you're going to say, look, it's fine. Boom. That's step one. I'm afraid of this. Look, it's fine. Boom. Over and over and over and over and over and over times 25 minutes of overs. That's what you have to do in order to build that confidence. I hope this was helpful. I hope this was beneficial. I appreciate you guys so much. I love this community. I appreciate you again and again and again. I'm grateful for you. Thank you so much. We just came out with a brand new tug toy, the No Bad Dog Tug Toy. Uh, it's a beautiful canvas ball uh, with a rubber and nylon handle so it doesn't rip your hands apart when you play tug. Um, I designed it because there's a lot of balls out there that are too small for my liking, could be dangerous. So this is this is too big to go down any dog's throat. It's also heavy enough to be able to throw it and play some fetch games. It's also really great for targeting for dogs. Uh, so they're not biting the handle, they're not biting your hands, they're biting this ball. Um, it's a great toy uh, and I developed it because it's what I like. And people are always like, what do you do? What do you do? What do you? Well, I made my own yours. You guys can purchase it at my merch site, link below. Thank you guys again. I'll talk to you next time. Bye.